from India's largest newsroom, I'm Arun George and this is the Times of India podcast. Government has announced a massive cut in fuel prices. LPG पर 200 रुपए की सब्सिडी है, पेट्रोल 9 रुपए 50 पैसे प्रति लीटर कम हुआ है, और वही डीजल भी 7 रुपए प्रति लीटर कम हुआ है. First came the ban on the export of wheat. Then on the 21st of May, the central government reduced the amount of tax on petrol and diesel. It also provided a subsidy of 200 rupees on LPG cylinders under a government scheme, and raised the amount of subsidy on fertilizers. All these measures have one target, bringing down inflation or the rise in cost of living. India's Consumer Price Index and Wholesale Price Index, which indicate how much the price of articles is rising, have been high for months now. It's visible to the average consumer in the form of higher prices for everything ranging from petrol to vegetables. Swaminathan Iyer, who writes the weekly Swaminomics column on politics and economics for the Times of India, says there's nothing to do but grin or grimace and bear it for some time to come. Speaking from the US, he explains why the government can only try its best to lessen the impact of inflation on people, when these high prices could come down, and whether there's any silver lining for India in all of this. Swami, to start with, inflation, both wholesale price index and consumer price index are high. Um, you recently wrote about how you expect it to stay high for a long time to come. Could you explain why? We are not experiencing high inflation because of something we have done. This is a global phenomenon. It's a global phenomenon with four or five roots. One root is shortages were appearing even in 2021 and prices had begun to rise. Over and above that, there were sanctions on China which were disrupting the chain. Over and above that, there has been the war with Ukraine, which has further disrupted supplies. You have all these different sources of inflation coming up all together. As a result, in Europe, inflation is running at almost 10%. In America, it's gone to 8.5, 8.3%. In India, it's still 7.8%. You know, India is normally a high inflation country. Normally, our inflation rate is much higher than Europe or America. Right now, it's lower. So please understand, the roots of inflation are global. The solution, therefore, also has to be global. We cannot solve it in India. Until such time as inflation is high the world over, it will continue to be high in India, whatever we do. We government can attempt a palliative here or a palliative there. A cure cannot be done within India. The cure will have to be global. What the government has done today is uh, reduce the price on fuel. Um, it has offered some kind of a subsidy for fuel supplies. It also has many multiple subsidy schemes running as well. Do you see those helping? Because of politics, I see these continuing. I think that the Gujarat election is very much on the mind of the government right now. Uh, you know, they have won five elections in a row already and anti-incumbency is there, staleness is there. To try and get over it, Mr. Modi sacked the entire cabinet, including the chief minister in the history of India. That's never happened. So he's desperate to win that. Remember, in the last election, the BJP scraped through with only 99 of 182 seats. If they just lose nine more seats, they are out of power. So I think they will move heaven and earth to say we must win that election. Because of that, even if the fiscal deficit goes for a six, 
I think they will continue with this free food or the equivalent of free food, and they will continue cutting excise duties and various duties on petroleum products. These are the two palliatives which are within their power. They cannot solve the overall problem, but these are the two palliatives they can offer. It's very bad in terms of the fiscal deficit, but because of politics, I expect both of these to continue at least till the Gujarat election in December. But how much do you see them helping sort of people cope with this? Can the government sort of take away the pain of high inflation by just providing these subsidies? No, no, it is reducing the pain, but it cannot take away the pain. It is a huge global problem. I mean, if there is so much pain in America and so much pain in Europe, can the pain magically disappear in India? I mean, there is too much discussion as though we have created a problem and we can solve it. We have not created the problem and we therefore cannot solve it. We can just gird our loins and say we have to ride out this particular storm. A storm is not going to go away because of anything we do. We have to ride out that storm that will involve a certain amount of pain. Let us share the pain in various ways, which they are trying to do uh, by, the, uh, by the free feeding continuing and by the continuation of uh, tax cuts for fuel. Over and above that, there is some sign of a reduction in metal prices. So this might feed into the non-oil and uh, the non-fuel and the non-food prices, which have also been rising. But look, you know, if those wholesale prices are at 15%, it will now come down to 13, 12, 10, 9. It will still be very high. So the problem is not going to go away. The problem is going to be there for a long time. On the global factors, are you going to get an end to the war? I don't think so. There is no sign of it. Uh, China has had its self-inflicted harakiri suicide of a recession by locking themselves down. Their economy has come down to 0% growth. Are they going to change? I don't know. You don't know. It's not within our control. But because of all these factors out there, on top of that, look at the third one. Emerging markets are in very serious trouble. 70 countries are in danger of defaulting on debt, like Pakistan and Sri Lanka are already on that path. So what happens if a whole lot of them go broad? Over and above that, the cryptocurrency market is going bust. What happens if that has a huge now? This is a terrific storm. This is a storm with a large number of completely separate causes all coming together. We will have to sit and ride out the storm because we cannot stop the storm. So the obvious indicator for inflation is always the rising food prices, which is what keeps making headlines as well. What changes for the average Indian? How will we see signs of it sort of manifesting? I mean, by definition, he feels it in, in, in his wallet. COVID is petering out. So normally the government should have discontinued the free food package. It is reluctant to do that. In order to try and continue it, it has banned wheat exports, which is very bad for farmers. Farmers will be angry. Traders will be angry because they have been trapped. They had bought at high prices to export. What are they going to do now? Who will bear all those losses? Who will pay the bank loans? Who will pay the warehouses that are storing their stuff? So a number of problems we have created, even while trying to check inflation through this very blunt instrument. Uh, but as I said, there is going to be pain and the government is attempting to share that pain around. What does this do for society, especially the inequality levels? No, there are long-term and short-term issues here. Uh, short-term, whatever you might want to do, it's not within your power. Inflation typically hits the poor much harder than the rich in the short-term. So in terms of income, in terms of wealth, the rich are much harder hit. 
because the price of your shares may collapse by 20%, 30%, billions may get wiped out. So in terms of wealth, uh, equality may actually improve. In terms of income, real income, inequality may worsen. As against that, if the government continues with this feeding program and continues with excise duty cuts for fuel, then some soaps are available for the poorer people. Uh, it will help the poorer people more than the rich. I wanted to ask you also with the RBI especially, they have raised interest rates once. There's a, there is the belief that they will do it again. Do you believe they could have done something earlier? Was there something they could have acted on when the signs were there? The Reserve Bank is following the lines, frankly, of the Finance Ministry. The Finance Ministry wants to focus on growth more than inflation. And because of that, the RBI, although it has a mandate of checking inflation, they have very clearly decided that from their point of view, growth is more than inflation. So they have been very reluctant to raise interest rates. However, now that central banks everywhere are raising them in leaps and bounds, suddenly the Reserve Bank says, you know, I cannot afford to be seen completely left behind. Otherwise, if they say, here is a central bank that does not know what to do, then there can be a big run on the rupee. There can be huge exodus of money. So even though the Reserve Bank internally is reluctant to raise rates, given the international situation, they are being obliged to do so reluctantly. So they will have to raise rates. In America, they may raise rates two, three, five times more in the next 18 months. In India, I think they will raise them less often and to a smaller amount. But we will have to go the same way so that we are not seen as an irresponsible nation that does not know how to run its finances. So that, more than anything else, will be the policy. We will try to emphasize growth still. But you know, the fact is, that if you have an inflation rate of 7.5% uh, uh, consumer price wholesale is 14 15%. The GDP deflator is more than 10%. So if that GDP deflator inflation rate is 10% and you have a repo rate of say 5 6%, that will still be very, very negative interest real, real rates. So, you know, whatever the RBI, even if it increases rates quite a bit, if the interest rates are still negative in real terms, it cannot be accused of sinking the economy. Real negative interest rate means that you are still boosting the economy. So the Reserve Bank will boost the interest rates, but not so much that the interest rates turn positive in real terms. One more thing that central banks across the world have been accused of now is that they didn't act quickly enough. How much of that are we seeing now that the fact that the US and Europe and all let this kind of run a bit and now are trying to sort of bring it back under control? That is part of the story everywhere, including in India. I mean, our fiscal deficit went completely out of control more than even right now. I mean, this year, I will not be surprised if we budgeted for 6.86. I will not be surprised if we end up at 7 or 8%. Uh, the excise duty cuts that you've just seen is going to be like 0.5% of GDP. Continuing the feeding program will be not the 0.5%. Your revenues are falling and falling because growth is slowing down. So the fact is that all of us have indulged all of countries have indulged in excessive fiscal deficits and easy printing of money. And at some point of time, the chickens were going to come home to roost. So that is happening. It typically happens that at the worst possible time, then this excess of the, you are going to pay the penalty for the excesses of the past years. So that is happening. And the rich countries are suffering and we are going to suffer too. 
what do we look to in the past to kind of understand what happens when infl- inflation rates go so high uh, how do they typically end no it will depend on what has caused it if the inflation has been caused by a drought then a good monsoon will, will be the solution if you have been uh, having a huge excess of uh, increase in bank credit then a reduction of bank credit would be the appropriate thing so it will depend on what it was that caused that inflation in the first place in this particular case we have not caused the inflation there has been no drought there has been no excess of uh, there has been no runaway credit boom like there was in 2007 2008 so those are not the causes this is imported inflation and you can do nothing about it until the imported price comes down india is also seeing its currency fall rapidly uh, what does this mean for india going ahead well, india's currency is not falling rapidly at all it has fallen very slightly very slowly modestly against the dollar at a time when the dollar is strengthening and strengthening against everything else so in fact while other countries are depreciating by 10 20 30 we have hardly depreciated against the dollar just by 2 3% so against a number of currencies we are actually appreciating so the reserve bank on the one hand does not want the rupee to appreciate because uh, if you do that it will hit our exports very badly on the other hand if it lets the rupee depreciate that will worsen the imported inflation because you know if the rupee depreciates then automatically imported inflation goes up they are on a tightrope walk trying to achieve both things at the same time and it's going to be very difficult at the end of it all you need good luck more than good management at this point of time you mentioned the gujarat elections but how do you see this influencing that sort of political just from here on no there are two or three aspects on the political scene on the one hand the government will go out of its way on populist giveaways to try and win the election so they are going to cut the excise duties even though it's creating a hole in the finances they are going to head with a free food instead of free food there there's some issue as to whether or not there will be enough wheat in the government's own stocks because the private stocks have gone up very much one solution could be that instead of giving physical grain to those same families you begin to give cash and let them buy grain from the market some such scheme has been proposed i think it would make sense if you are determined to continue with free feeding and you don't have enough wheat in your stocks i would say allow that wheat to be exported i mean we have the brilliant chance to export don't give up that chance at the same time give the people cash in hand and they can buy from the traders on the open market have you ever done a cash in hand kind of scheme in india till now we have never had the ability the janthan yojana has now created a situation where a very very large percentage of households have bank accounts i mean it may not be 95 or 96 but even if it is 85 if you can get through to 85% of the people cash then it, the efficiencies are much greater than trying to physically move food and get it through to them and that also has its own leakages and its own problems so i would say we are finally at a stage where you can substitute one for the other um another one question is that you're seeing a lot of upheaval in terms of communal politics again at a time when the economy is going through its own motions and we've had a lot of voices now talking about how that affects the economy as well uh, you've written about it in the past as well uh, what will you be watching for in the coming days 
there is a difference between things that spread fear and things that actually affect the economy. I mean, if you have a procession passing by a temple or a mosque and there is some stone throwing, that kind of tension, it will come and it will go. But if you have the kind of thing that you had like lynching of anybody who is transporting cattle, now that has a huge effect because that then affects the entire market for meat and buffalo export has been one of the very top exports. It affects the entire dairy production. It affects leather production. And if you don't allow the normal transportation for cattle, then you're going to get a problem of stray cattle eating up whatever little grain there is, which is already in short supply. So that is a very serious major impact. It's coming, frankly, on that cow slaughter business. Having some tension on temple or mosque processions, it's bad for society, but the impact is not immediate. It's bad because if there is tension, if there is uncertainty, that inhibits investment, that inhibits people uh, doing any normal economic activity. But all the two, the cow slaughter one, I think is a greater problem. What worries you about the current scenario as we stand right now? No, no, I don't know what's going to happen. It's very clear. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what's going to happen in the war. I don't know whether China is going to be able to overcome the COVID scare or not. I don't know whether there will be a meltdown on the cryptocurrency market. I do not know whether 70 developing countries are going to go bankrupt. So there are a large number of possible minuses, but we don't really know exactly what's going to happen. All you can say is that the situation is very grim and things could get much worse. But also perhaps things, you know, something suddenly you might find things fix themselves. There's a ceasefire in Ukraine. Suddenly China overcomes COVID. Everything begins to bounce back. You cannot rule that out either. And also everything we've spoken about is really grim so far. Is there anything you see as a sort of silver lining? The silver lining is that you are the fastest growing major economy in the world. So, I mean, earlier you talked about 9%, then RBI said maybe 7.5%. Actually, you may finally come down to only 6 But even if it's 6% growth, 6% growth is not a disaster. When the rest of the world is going towards zero, 6% growth is very, very good. So far from being completely dark, the fact remains that compared with the others, you are in a better position to run through this, to stay aloft in this particular storm. Uh, on exports, another silver lining, the April figures came through, the exports are extremely high, 30% increase in exports. So at a time when everybody else is thinking world trade is coming to zero, we have managed to keep this up. So both exports and GDP are in good shape. As far as the startup culture is concerned, we continue to have these startups, even in these difficult conditions, they are raising money. So we are becoming kind of the unicorn capital of the world. So there are plenty of silver linings. Uh, there, are, there is a very serious problem and we don't know how to overcome it and we will have to wait for the world to overcome it. But when the revival comes, India is relatively well positioned to spring upwards and regain some of the lost ground. Today's episode was produced by Jairaj Singh, Sunai Marathe and Anuja Singh. For a daily spotlight on people, ideas and stories that matter, subscribe to us. We're available on TY+, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and all other platforms of your choice. For any news tips, email us at tuipodcast at timesinternet.in.